You ask the Father in my name. He will give you whatever you ask. That's our subject. Whatever you ask. And so we have this proclamation from the Father's Son that He will go to heaven for us on our behalf. He would sit there at the right hand of God and whatever we ask the Father in His name the Father will give us. Do you believe this? Do we believe this? Well, first, this is this is from the Father for the children of faith. This is for those who believe the gospel. And I'm in John 14:23. This is for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ only. This is not for those who trust in themselves in any way, shape, or form. I think a lot of our praying is is wrong. A lot of our praying, my brothers, my sisters, is we're trusting in ourselves. Have you ever seen a person try to work up a sweat while they're praying? And they say the same thing over and over. And they act like they're beating on Satan. And they've got to stir it up. And they got to say it loud. And they have to get emotional. And they have to do all kinds of things. This is not putting confidence in Jesus' name. Jesus is at the right hand of God. In my, in my prayer time this morning, I had a dramatic revelation of Christ at the right hand of God. And it was, it was revealed unto me that my acceptance with God, my ability to be heard in prayer, had nothing to do with what was going on on earth. It had nothing to do with my posture in my bed. It had nothing to do with myself at all. It has to do with Jesus at the right hand of God. And the vision I have is not with these eyes, but with these eyes, and with these eyes. And understanding that the Father 
is looking at our Lord Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking, and he's blessing us because of him that's on his right hand. Now, let me ask you as, as you pray, are you trusting in what kind of a life you have lived? Are you trusting in how well you have been doing? Are you trusting in how many times you've been going out of church and the sacrifices that you've made? Or are you trusting in the obedience of Christ? You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, He did something at the cross. He bought for us who trust in Him a right to be delivered from the wrath of God. And He bought, if you look into the book of Colossians 1, it's the right and the power to translate us from the kingdom of darkness into his dear son. It's Colossians 1, verse 12, verse number 13. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Who has made us able to receive this blessing. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. As, as to what is included in this inheritance. A person was asking me this online. What is this promise he talks about in Galatians? Salvation. And it includes what? What's included in salvation? Eternal life. To reign with him forever. Everything that a sinner could have, that a chosen sinner could have, he has by faith in Christ Jesus. Everything it will take to bring us from down here into paradise. This forgiveness of sins, this redemption through His blood, its election, its predestination, its the Holy Spirit, its perseverance, its fruit bearing, it is endurance unto the end. It is heaven and all of its pleasures have been purchased by the Son of God for everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. And that alone is who is using his name in prayer. Those who trust in him for the inheritance of salvation which includes our obedience. He's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints 
in the light. I'm walking in the light now. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, the satanic delusion that you and I have been bought from. He bound the strong man. He paid for our sins. He entered into his church, his bride, his people. He captured us for himself. He cast out Satan. He made us his people. He made us born again. And he has translated us. He has, he has moved us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He bought the forgiveness of sin so I don't have to go to hell after I die. He bought a holy life and happiness in the Holy Spirit. He bought heaven to come. Now, are we trusting Him to give us this salvation? Are we trusting Him to be the only reason that I have it all and I have it all? Hmm? All of salvation. That's the people who are praying in Jesus' name. It's not in our name. I'm missionary, I'm preacher. I'm the secretary of the church, I'm the elder, I'm a big giver, I'm a holy liver, Lord. No, we're coming in the name of Christ, who is sat down at the right hand of God, in full acceptance. And His Father, He could be no more pleased with Jesus Christ. It's not possible. He came, He died, He suffered, He resurrected, He's exalted. That's my access unto God. Are we praying in His name? Otherwise, so much effort. And as to why so many vain repetitions. If I'm praying in His name, I don't have to be heard because of anything I'm doing on earth. I could be laying in my bed, I could be in a car, you could be hugging your wife and praying in your heart in thanksgiving, Lord help me, and be heard because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That's, that's our complete acceptance in prayer. And if we're putting our confidence there, then the Father, and here's point two, He's going to give us whatever we ask with qualifications. With qualifications. What does qualifications mean? Not everything. Hmm? If I ask for your wife, is He going to give me? If I ask for the right to be God, 
the uh, happy activity. You know, the exciting joy. I would be going unto my father like a like a small child in the candy shop. And whatever me and you ask in this candy shop that is for our good and for his glory, is for our holiness, is for our conduct, is for our obedience, is to change us into the character of Christ, he will give it. Now, if we're asking for our own glory, are we going to get it? If I want to be a bishop preacher in order to be praised by people, is he going to give it to me? No, but if I want to give him glory. And that might be the first thing I need to ask for. Give me the heart to glorify you for real. He's going to use my gifts and he's going to show us our best of potential. He's going to make us to be what we never thought about in our wildest dreams. He's going to bring forth fruit, transform us by His Holy Spirit. He's going to do it with power. He's God. He's faithful. And so we absolutely have confidence. I don't want anybody that doesn't have confidence in prayer. Look to Jesus. Did He do what He was sent here? Yes, he did it. Is he finished? Is it his name of music? Is the Father pleased with him? He's exalted him up to his right hand. When Pharaoh said he want bread, he was a big fan. And you have to go see who. Story. It's in the book of Genesis, chapter 40, chapter number 41. It was a bit. When Pharaoh said, if you want bread, it was a big famine, there wasn't any food in any place except Egypt. That's how Egypt was rich. Is you don't is you don't approach me, he said. He said you have to go and see Joseph. That's how it is. If you want salvation and the goodness of God and the favor of God and the love of God in your heart, the power of the Holy Ghost. Because you have to go see Jesus. And through Jesus, by faith in Jesus, the Father is going to give you whatever you ask. So be comfortable, be bold, be courageous, be happy. Prayer is a happy time. Wonderful time. I'm getting stuff from God. Absolutely. I can change my character. I can be a new person. I can control my temper. I can be more gracious and kind. I can be more holy. I can subdue my lust. I can get these things from God. And these are the things He's giving. The spiritual blessings. The real stuff. Not the manna, but the bread of life. They wanted manna in John 6. And miracles. 
And he didn't like it. He kept preaching Christ is the bread of life. I'm the bread. Me. Everlasting life. That's what I'm giving you. Is living water. My blood. And my body are meat and drink indeed. This is the confidence that we have in Him. It isn't in ourselves. It isn't in my ability. It isn't if I've been a good boy. Hear me on this. Hear me. Hear me. Grace is as much grace now as at the beginning. Is as much grace if I've had a good day or if I've had a bad day. Is as much grace if I sinned or if I have resisted sin. Salvation by grace is not because of us. It's because of sweet Jesus and the goodness of God. Our confidence is in Him. That's boldness, right? That's courage. That is... That... That means I ought not leave off my knees in doubt. And if I'm in doubt, if I don't think I have it, if I'm not sure, I need to go back under Him again and again so I can go with confidence and faith and boldness. That's our gift from the Father through the Son. That if we ask anything what does it say? According to my will, anything I want, man, I want money, I want a new car, I want a house. I want the best job around here. I want the prettiest wife. I want my children to go to school at Harvard. I want my bank account with more money than I can ever spend. I want to be healthy and never get sick. I don't want any problems in my family, and I want all my enemies to die. Am I giving the things I want? That's not God's God has, He has not told us any of those things are ours. But He's told us a holy life is ours. He said, I'm going to come back unto you in the and it will be by the Holy Spirit, and your joy it will be full as you see me. He says, "It's to be a good cheer, for I have overcome this world." Hmm? Is in Philippians four. It's he hears us if we ask according unto his will. Here's what he's giving. As to how many people want the God of peace to be with you? Anybody? <laughs> I do. Look what Paul says. In Philippians in, in chapter 4 and verse number 9. But let me ask a question before we read. If I want to live in sin, but I want peace, 
get it? But he says if you ask anything you want, I want peace and I want to stay in my sin. I want to live for me. And I'll be nice, but living for me, am I going to have peace? You mean to tell me that the only way I can get the peace he's giving is to live for his glory? So in order to grant us the peace, he has to give us obedience. That's what we're after at the throne of God. With confident boldness, with a hundred percent certainty. This is no doubting iffy thing. Impossible. He would say no. He may have to purge my pride, and he has to make me ask as a humble servant instead, instead of a proud boaster. Because I can ask for obedience just to be praised by man, and he knows my heart. And he knows I can do it because I'm putting confidence in myself instead of Christ. He knows if I trust in Christ or if I really think I'm better than everybody else, he ought to hear me. He knows. But if we come unto him by faith, and then what it says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 9, the Apostle Paul is speaking, These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. Now that's a lot. These do and the God of peace will be with you. So, Lord God, I want to be with the God of peace. Make me live for your glory, just like Paul did. Make me serve you with everything I've got. Make me refuse to murmur in hard situations. Make me live to bring other people unto Jesus. Make me understand your gospel and keep my eyes on Christ. Lord, I'm tired of looking at the wind and beginning to sing. And then say, Lord, save me. I want to say, Lord, save me right here on top of the water. And Lord, keep my eyes on Jesus. I don't want anything but grace. Nothing but you giving me every day. Please help me be fixed on Jesus Christ. Is that going to give me the God of peace? More than we can ask for things. He's coming. His power, His joy, His peace, His love, His kindness, fruitfulness, happiness, and contentment are coming as we're obedient unto King Jesus. He's already promised us. In the book of John, chapter number 14, this is a promise I've been experiencing, and it's quite shocking, and I'm and I am thrilled to uh, to pass it on and to encourage you. Uh, is my brothers, my sisters, it's the book of John, 
in chapter 14, verse number 21 says this, He who has my commandments, they are essentially faith and love. To put your trust in Christ and love people with real love. And keeps them, obeys them. He does them by the power of the Holy Spirit. He lives for Christ. He loves people with the gospel. He's bringing them unto Jesus Christ. That's his life. If he's a preacher, if he sells bottled water, if he has a wheelbarrow, if he's crippled, if he's rich, it doesn't matter. It could be the madame or the maid. Their life is devoted to bringing people. Let me be holy so others can see Jesus. He keeps, it is he who loves me. It's not just talk. It's a walk. If I say I love you and I'm hitting you and hating you and spitting on you and mistreating you. Am I telling the truth? If we, if we love Jesus, it shows in our character. Obedience is the fruit of love. If your wife loves you, it shows. If your husband loves you, you see it. And he who loves me, and it's because he first loved me, he will be loved by my Father. He'll experience it, and I will love him. And look what the promise is. I will manifest myself unto him. I will show this man. I will show this woman. I will show this young child. I will show them how great I truly am. Who is Jesus? Exodus chapter number 34. Who is Jesus? What does it mean? For him to unfold himself in his glory. You remember when Moses asked to see the Lord's glory? He saw Jesus Christ. He is the revelation of God. In his pre-incarnate glory, he passed by Moses as he hid him in the cleft of the rock. After the law had been honored and had been broken, in verse number 1 through 4. This actually started verse number 1. It's important. And so Moses had asked to see God's glory. And he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. I'll be merciful unto whom I'll be merciful. Exodus chapter number 34, verse number 1. And the Lord said to Moses, here is the only way that we're going to see the glory of God. 
is to cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. That law is going to have, have to be on. If we see the glory of God, it's through the shed blood of Christ. That law is not going to be broken. It's going to be magnified. It's going to be rectified. It's going to be satisfied. The holiness of God shall be honored. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai. And present yourself to me there on top of a mountain. On top. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all a mountain. It's a holy mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. This mountain is so holy that the, that the Almighty God said, If even a beast shall touch it, it shall be pierced through and killed. And the people quaked. But Moses is being made an exception to see God's glory as the holy law is honored by faith in Jesus' blood. That's the only way the anger of God is at peace. His law is magnified. It punished the, the transgressor. Verse 4. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first one. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hands the two tablets of stone. The Almighty God is holy. He's still holy. He hasn't compromised to dwell with men. He has not broken his law to forgive a sinner. He, Christ has magnified the law and made it honorable. He's exacted justice and the penalty of sin on his son. Verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed. It's not a conversation of any debate. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. The Lord. That's his covenant keeping name. Jehovah. The Lord God. That's his name in his absolute sovereignty. I'm talking about who is God. When Jesus Christ is unveiling himself unto his obedient children. It's not some other God I learn about is the God of the Bible. I see him more clearly in his unchanging character. His holiness, his love, his sovereignty. His discriminating grace. His choosing whom he would save. 
And then being merciful unto us, He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. He is merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. As we get to learn more about God as He is, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, He's a forgiving God. And by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. He's a holy God who hates sin and punishes sinners. What kind of God are we worshiping? Is he all candy and sweets or is he also angry every day? What kind of God? The, is the God of the Bible unfolds himself unto his children who obey him. That's marvelous. More merciful, more compassionate, more gracious, more kind, more holy, more understanding, more strict on his will than ever imagined. There's, he is never budging on anything he said in his word. His, his will shall be done. He will do as he pleases. And it is right and good and merciful. Did you understand that? If he cripples us, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness. If he takes everything that we have and he leaves us just like Job in pain on the ground. Scraping ourselves. It's the loving kindness of God. The tender mercies of God. The holiness, the greatness of God. And the worthiness of God to be worshipped. Ask the gospel. And then you see in verse number 8, and so Moses, after he, if he sends my whole family into the lake of fire, he's gracious and kind and absolutely just. Punishing the children and the grandchildren because their old daddy didn't teach them about Jesus Christ. Is that God? Let me repeat myself. Punishing the children and the grandchildren because their old daddy did not teach them about Jesus Christ. That's what he said. God is not bending. He's not molded by man. I don't get to make up a God and then He makes us happy. No, the God of the Bible puts pleasure in our hearts and we bow down and obey Him and learn. He's good no matter what happens in this world. If He chose us and redeemed us with Christ's blood, what did He do wrong? Impossible. Impossible. And and if we need uh, the grace of submitting ourselves unto whatever happens, you won't murder. It won't come out your mouth. You won't.
won't dishonor your father with one word out of your mouth and a complaint against his will. He will give you the power. If we are determined to obey, he's got plenty of grace. If you ask, any of these things you'll give. And if you look at verse, and I'm talking about the true God now. We don't want some make some illegitimate God, itty bitty God, who's been man-made God. The it's the absolute sovereignty of God in all of His glory is proof that men didn't make this God up. He doesn't do anything man's way. He doesn't even let man speak of him except through his son. That God is holy. That's the God of the that, that is it's the real God. And then you see in verse number 8, and so Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Worship. What kind of God do you worship? Absolute power. Anything that hurts us is His goodness. Every time I say that, and you think I'm going to say it again, I'm saying it again. Anything God does is goodness. He said, "I'll take all my goodness past in front of you." Is I had a friend, I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago, I may have mentioned this, is her dad, is he died, unsaved, lost. After many years of prayer, we worship and say, praise your holy name. You've done right. Then when she went back, and she had some off, off time with her job, and after she went back into her job, they told her, oops, they were sorry, but your job is gone too. Is that the goodness of God? And, and look here, as we, move, as we worship Him from our heart, if I need strength, Lord, He give me the strength. If I got strength, I, if I just know You're righteous, He reveals Himself and says, "See, I've been good the whole time. There's peace. There's joy. Here's more understanding of my greatness." Here is more of me in your submission, in your obedience. <laughs> That's the God of the Bible. I can't make him do anything. But if I ask him, he'll make me love him. And if I love him, he'll show me why. He's infinitely more wonderful than we can ever and he'll transform us into people 
fellowship with Jesus Christ. They could have known God and went to heaven when they died and escaped His wrath. And they chose it not because their ear had to hear a lie. Had to hear a lie. Second Timothy, please, in chapter 4. Verse number 3 and 4. For the time it will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I don't care if he's preaching the truth or not. He's not offering me happy times and easy life. He's not promising my children are going to get a visa. He's not telling me everything is going to succeed in my business. He's not promising me that as I travel on the road, it will be well. I don't know if you're going to live in the morning or not. I just know that God is righteous and holy and loving and worthy of worship, knowing back to the world. Hmm? This is other brother I know, and he, but he is a young brother in the faith. He's up, up in Johnson's name is uh, 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 Timothy Garba. His father was kidnapped, I think, two days ago. And he's back. And I won't tell you as to how much his family had to pay. But that could destroy a child's inheritance. Right? It's the father, he can, he can work in his whole life and, and save it up. It's for his children. And then the kidnappers come and they break down the door and they take him and they empty the bank And the children are out of the That's not very right? Happens, right? But somebody told me, before we found out that <laughs> the rental was paid and the man was back, that, that it shall be well. Is that something that we know until he doesn't? It was in Nigeria, it was Josh. Yes. It was either two or maybe three days ago. But the point I'm making is if I get kidnapped, I have a good shot as an American. But I don't know if I'll breathe another day tomorrow. You understand? I could be dead before I make it home. I could pray all the way. It's, it's, it's on the whole time. I'm on the back triangle. Nothing's promised in this world. That's what James said. You don't know what's going to happen in the morning. What we should say is, if the Lord will. But I declare you blessings. I decree you nothing. I proclaim you rich. What is all that? Oh, just show 
Because even when you tell them the truth, they still want lies. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They're going to find pastors who are going to promise themselves in flesh. Right? I was preaching at a place in Port Harcourt. And the pastor, the old man, stood up and he's all bold. I'll preach the gospel to anybody. I'll tell the gospel. I don't care as who it is. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I hope so. I hope so. And so I preached on Job. <laughs> and to worship God at the bottom. And that he can't be controlled. He does as he pleases and is right. Hmm? And the pastor, hey, well, it'd be well with your business. <laughs> it'd be well with your finances. He's scared that these people with itchy ears are going to go find another false teacher to tell them what they want. I want to hear about my business. I need money. I got school fees I got to pay. I want to hear, even if it's a lie, tell me it shall be well Speak peace as to where there is no peace. Engineers who covet false teachers and plead, tell me, tell me, I'll even pay you to tell me. I'll run up as you're preaching and cast out money if you just tell me it's going to be okay for me in this world. It's not over. Not like that. It's well with our soul no matter what happens with our body. And we have a right to ask him about jobs and houses and wives and cars. Ask him anything with thanksgiving. But the promise is holiness. It's obedience. It's to seek God. It's to walk with Him. It's paradise. It's forgiveness. These things are ours. Verse number four. And they will turn ears away from the truth. Is that what will happen here? I'm preaching the truth. And be turned aside unto this. Unto fables, unto things that are true. It would be one thing if it was true, and I declare, and then boop, in the bag of gold. That still wouldn't make it God. But that would at least, but it's not true. 
I decree I can only die anyway. The same man that is promising you help is using your money to fly into London or medical chair. He isn't even waiting up, up until he's sick. He's gonna get a check up. Just to make sure he won't get sick. He's a liar. And he's for itching here people who don't want the true gospel. What I'll say in conclusion is this. This is the opening half. In conclusion is this. It's the reason that me and you actually want what Christ is giving. Is the burden of sin. My sin is so unbearable. I need Christ. And this is I gotta hear the true gospel. It isn't an option. I can't sit in church and not hear Jesus Christ. I go crazy. I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting at the crowd. I can't stand it. I need the gospel. I'm helpless. I don't have any other peace and joy or pleasure. There is nothing in California that can make me happy if I can't And I haven't been any place on this earth and not been happy with my eyes on Jesus. Any situation, homeless. Hurt, abused, lied on, slandered, sick. What does that have to do with the power of God? Hmm? We've got God. And if we need God, He'll give Himself unto you. If I can be happy with anything else, wife, kids, house, car, money, I don't need Jesus. It's just wrong. But if I'm desperate, I need power over sin, sir, more than I need bread. I'd rather be dead than in my sin than be disobedient. Isn't that the truth? It's unbearable. And the person who cannot function unless he speaks peace in the heart is going to hear the gospel with power from a mighty God. He's going to throw your soul. He's going to give you Jesus Christ because you're desperate. He satisfies the longing soul. Let's look at this other text in the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 2. And then I'll conclude here on this opening, opening point, opening message. If there's any questions. It's in 1 Samuel 2. I hope I'm saying that right.
Verse number four and five. The bows of the mighty men are broken, those who trust themselves, and those who stumble are girded with strength, those who need mercy and salvation. And those who are full are satisfied without Christ, have hired themselves out for bread. They don't have anything, really. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven. I have to have fruitfulness. And she who has many children has become feeble. Ah, the Lord kills and makes alive as he brings down unto the grave and brings up. And Lord makes poor. He makes us to see our sinfulness. And he makes rich. Fat with Christ. He brings low. He humbles us. And then lifts us up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap. That's what I am, a beggar. To set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Look at verse number three. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come out from your mouth. Just be needy, poor, and empty, and helpless, and give you Christ. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. He sees in the heart. If we need Jesus, we want to Jesus. If we don't, did you need 